I'm Amber Tresca, and this is About IBD. It's my mission to educate people living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis about their disease and to bring awareness to the patient journey. Welcome to episode 79. My guest is Jordan Diddy, who was diagnosed with inflammatory bowel disease as a child. Her disease was really severe and aggressive, and she had complications right from the start. Today, she lives with an ileostomy by way of a J-pouch. In the early days of her disease, her diagnosis was first Crohn's disease, which was later changed to ulcerative colitis and then back to Crohn's disease. Her last surgery to place a permanent ileostomy was only a few months ago, and she developed another complication that has impacted her significantly. Jordan found out that a skin problem near her stoma site was actually pyoderma gangrenosum. Skin disorders are a really common problem and could affect up to about 25% of people who have IBD. However, pyoderma gangrenosum, or PG, is rare. Matter of fact, it can go undiagnosed because some practitioners have never seen it before, or they don't make the connection between PG and IBD. Jordan will explain her journey through this latest diagnosis, including what PG looks like, what it meant for her Crohn's disease, and how she's currently treating it. To make matters even more challenging, this is all occurring during the pandemic, which means that she's navigating a lot of this without her support network by her side. But here's the thing. Jordan still remains hopeful for herself and for the future of IBD. Jordan, thank you so much for coming on about IBD and sharing your story with me. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to share it today. I wonder if you would start by telling me about your experience in being diagnosed with Crohn's disease and maybe what that first year after diagnosis was like for you because you were so young. Yeah, I was diagnosed at age 11 and I went in for a scope and was admitted for two weeks and then got out for a week and was admitted for five months. So in that period, I almost lost like half my body weight. You know, I was a sixth grade, very active little girl and went to hardly being able to walk. And also during those five months, I had an emergency total colectomy and ended up with an ileostomy. So for me, my first year was very unique, especially as a child. At the time I lived in, we lived in Kansas City, born and raised there, um, went to Children's Mercy. And we had nurses on our floor that asked us what Crohn's disease was because it wasn't known throughout pediatrics very well at that point. And mine was so severe that it led me down a path of, I had all three surgeries to reverse into a J pouch that same year. So it was hard. I missed all of the end of my sixth grade year. No one really knew I had Crohn's disease. I was just kind of the girl that was missing. And I didn't want to, at that point, I didn't want to tell people. I went into seventh grade with a fresh start. Unfortunately, it didn't last very long with my Crohn's as I flared very quickly again after we reversed back to the J pouch, just with uh, pouchitis and things like that and fistulas. I would say mine was very fast acting, like my Crohn's flared and kind of went out of control very fast. And for me, it was lonely as a child. Luckily, like my parents, I don't think ever left my bedside. And if they did leave for a night, my aunt was there to stay with me. I uh, had soccer teams come and visit me every single week. I was very lucky and very loved and very blessed throughout the entire first year of my diagnosis. 
So you weren't really telling anybody about your diagnosis, which I can also understand. By the way, I have a 10-year-old and I have a 13-year-old. Like, I just can't even imagine being that age and trying to explain this to your friends. What did people think was going on at the time? And have they talked to you about it later, maybe your friends, about why they thought that you were gone for so long and, you know, if they were very worried about you or they just didn't even know what to think? What was the thought process of of an 11 or 12-year-old? Yeah, so throughout the entire sixth grade, I had letters galore that covered my walls saying, Jordan, feel better, like we miss you and things like that. But no one really knew. I had soccer teams come and visit. They saw my ileostomy. They saw my stoma. And I think probably their parents told them um, after my parents told their parents kind of thing. But I never discussed it really one-on-one except with one friend who I went to camp with. And that was only because we were there for an entire week and I had my ileostomy and had to change my bag and wear one piece. And I was a little girl who had always worn two pieces. (laughs) Um, And my bag leaked one night and she helped me walk to the nurse and ask me questions. I think it's hard for any child that's one going through it to discuss it and how to discuss it. Because I would say at the time, I didn't really even fully understand my own disease. Like I knew I had Crohn's. I knew I had what didn't have a large intestine. I knew all the things I'd gone through, but I didn't fully grasp that I had chronic illness, that I had Crohn's disease, that like I could say it, but I didn't really know it was behind it. And I think that took me until my teens to really, like I would say even late junior high, like ninth grade to really kind of grasp what my Crohn's was and how to live with it fully. I want to talk about your J pouch for a minute. Yeah. Because they don't usually do J pouches for Crohn's disease, although sometimes it happens. So could you tell me, do you know, you know, why the decision was made to have J pouch surgery. And I believe you said you went through the three step, if you would take me through that. My colon perforated in a scope. And that was during my five month stay in the hospital, um, right when I was diagnosed. At the time, I had only had inflammation in my um, colon. We hadn't seen anything else. Like I had mouth ulcers and things like that, but nothing else. So we kind they kind of thought that it's ulcerative colitis. From then until May, I still had no inflammation anywhere else. It was just recovery that was hard after that surgery. So in May, we went through the second step and created the ileostomy. And then July, we connected it into a J pouch and reconnected everything. And like I said, unfortunately, it didn't last. But their thought process was that I had ulcerative colitis at the time. I went from Crohn's to ulcerative colitis in a snap after my colon perforated. But four months later, it switched back to Crohn's. Oh, wow. That's so interesting because I've known plenty of people who were first diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, and then later that was revised to Crohn's. Mm -hmm. But usually the other way. Yeah, I kind of, I went back and forth. I don't think I know the full story, though. I know you have an ileostomy now, 
But did you have ileostomy placed before or you had your J pouch all these years until just recently? Yeah. So um, in 2019, April 2019, I went back to an ileostomy. I had my J pouch 15 years. We all chose, my team and I, to go back to an ileostomy. And at the time, the thought process was it was temporary because I had my rectovaginal fistula came back as well as it started stemming off. So I had five fistulas and then one connecting from my small bowel to my J pouch. So we knew we needed to give everything a break and try to heal the fistulas. But like I said at the beginning, I wanted nothing to do with my ile- the ileostomy. I was determined that I was going to go back to the J pouch. But a month after surgery, I looked at my husband and was like, we're not going back. And he completely agreed. We had already such a better quality of life. I wasn't stressing about a bathroom. Yeah, I've had problems with it, but we both knew it was going to be permanent after that. Emotionally, you thought that you were going to have longer maybe with the J pouch before you went to an ileostomy. How did you cope with that? I'm really lucky with my husband. Um, I've known him since I was 16, and he was one of the first people I really told about my Crohn's fully and honestly. And he was there for me every single step of the way and was really supportive. You know, I went through those emotions of, oh my goodness, I won't be beautiful to you or I won't be sexy. And what will I wear? And I won't be able to work out anymore. And all those things were very hard for me um, to cope with. But for me, I deal with it by talking it all out and finding out every single detail I can. And so I met with the stoma nurse. I, I think I had more appointments with my surgeon than a normal. And luckily, my surgeon <laughs> was very open to explaining every little thing. And then I also took to Instagram and social media, and it's such a beautiful thing today that that that's a resource that you can walk into, not walk into, but like just view people's perspectives and things like that. I think the hardest one, though, for me was this recent surgery. Having my bottom removed, there isn't as much, I feel like, out there about that surgery and how people deal with it in their personal experiences because it is hard. And I think it was, for me, the ileostomy, it was almost easier. But like I said, I'm a talker. So looking into every little thing and talking it through with someone, whether it was my husband or my doctor, really helped a lot. So unfortunately, the thing that I saw on Instagram that really made me want to talk to you especially Mm -hmm. was because you started developing a skin problem. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think after they placed the ileostomy. Mm -hmm. And skin problems are one of those things that it's really common with IBD, but yours is pretty serious. And so I wonder if you would tell me a little bit about it and what it's been like to get treatment for it. Yeah, of course. So we revised, um, we created an endileostomy um, and revised it because I had a lot of scar tissue around it. And about a week after, I or two weeks after, because I had gone home, I noticed that I had like almost an ulcer 
around it and I knew it wasn't right, but I had seen the walk nurse inpatient just two days before and everything had looked good. But um, I sent everyone a picture and I had um, pyoderma gangliosum. And basically what, how mine developed is it's an ulcer, it's a skin lesion. And usually they happen after a cut or trauma to the skin. For me, they say it's due to also a Crohn's flare due to the trauma from the surgery. So my stoma went from looking like a beautiful little rosebud to a rosebud with a giant, almost, it wasn't always white and pussy. It had um, almost like a purple tint along the edges and um, a little raised. So it made the it made it really painful and difficult to change my bag and to stick the bag. Luckily, I sent a picture right away to my walk nurse. And at that point, it was, it was growing by the day. Um, so by the time I got into her, it was probably about a little smaller than my palm around my stoma. I got into her, we started some medicine, and she got me an, an appointment right away with dermatology. And with them, that was when they're like, they looked at it. We talked to also GI. Everyone decided that I was in a Crohn's flare, went on steroids, started two times a day bag changes with two different ointments. And it was interesting. It was very painful. I'm still working on healing it. And this was three months ago. It's a process and it's something that we'll kind of always have to look out for with any surgery from now on, um, just with how severe my Crohn's is, as well as with pyoderma, with any cut, with any scrape, it can flare up, unfortunately. We also knew it was Crohn's because it's not my first um, skin problem. I've had erythema nodosum cystic acne and all those other, like I've had all of them galore. So with the PG dermatology actually looked back on every single stoma and picture and trouble that I've had with um, healing. And we're like, oh, no, you've had this like multiple times. It was just never diagnosed and you were almost always put on some type of steroid to treat your flare, which treated that but it just took longer. That must have been shocking to hear that. Yeah, it was it was interesting. It was it was very difficult and at the time with covid and everything, I was in all these appointments by myself. So, I think that took it one step further and made it even harder to process and deal with and like I would go into the car with my husband Adam and I would just bawl and he'd be like, "Well, what'd they say?" And it was hard <laughs> To repeat it. <laughs> yeah. It was hard to repeat it. And then like, also, you're so emotional in the appointment that it's like, well, they said this, but actually, wait. And he's like, okay. And so it was one of those things that like, I would end up like messaging them as well after like, actually, I have all these other questions because I mean, by yourself, but, and like new diagnosis. And I remember looking it up on the way home and it's like, one in 10,000 people get it. It's like a rare, rare skin one. And it's like, of course it is. Like, <laughs> of course it is. Of course I 
would get that. Cool. <laughs> when everybody was looking at it, when they referred you to dermatology, did it take them a long time to figure out that that's what it was? And had they seen it before? They had seen it before. Well, so I'll actually preface that. My walk nurse knew right away, like in the picture, she's like, you need to get in tomorrow. You are coming up here to San Francisco, which we live two hours away. You are coming up here tomorrow. And she got me in, got me the ointment, things like that. And she's like, I am 99% sure it's pyoderma. Um, and then the next Tuesday, I went to dermatology. And actually, the only two in the room, because it's a teaching hospital, UCSF. So only my doctor and I think one or two residents had actually seen it, pyoderma before. And then everyone else had never seen it. A lot had never seen the stoma before. So it was interesting. And it was a large team in there. Like I think there were six or seven people in the small room because everyone wanted to everyone see it. Everyone wanted to see it. <laughs> Which I am all about being like a teaching. But at the same time, at that point, I think I was like, full tears like you know it was yeah. just well, and you were by yourself too right yeah was, it wasn't like okay yeah yeah I was by myself and like it was one of those things that it was I don't know with Crohn's and people looking at my fistulas and things like that like I've had those for a while but this was brand new and there were people that were like oh wow I've never seen that I was like you wait you've never seen this like <laughs> it's not something you want to hear as a patient no <laughs> So that was, it was kind of eye-opening. Um, and even in my checkups now, I go every month to see dermatology. And every time I have like a new, like first time resident and they always come in and talk to you beforehand and make sure you have all your meds and everything like that. And uh, they're like, oh, can we see it? I'm like, it's under my bag. I need to take it off first. And he's like, Oh, you mean you can't see it underneath your bags? No. 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 <laughs> I no, you can't. Like give me 10 minutes, let me eat my marshmallows and then you can come back. Oh my gosh, there's so much involved there. <laughs> so, it's completely under your flange. Mhm. Mm okay. And so, all right. So, you're having to remove your appliance so that mm -hmm. they can see it, obviously. Yeah. But you're not at home. Yeah. And it's an ileostomy, which almost oh. never stops working. <laughs> yeah. No. And dermatology, like surgery, you know, they're all really good if they look at it. They're really good about knowing you need to get that bag on pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. Dermatology, this pastime was the first that they came in within five minutes of leaving. And at that point, I wasn't even ready for him because multiple times now they've left me for like 20 minutes with my bag off oh no and they come in every time and they laugh at me because i have my bag of marshmallows which i'm very lucky with my marsh i for me marshmallows do stop my output most of the time so they come in and laugh they're like oh you have your bag of marshmallows you guys leave me waiting like <laughs> Well, do they not know? I mean, is this another thing that you're teaching them as to how people slow down their output with yeah. marshmallows? Yeah. <laughs> None of them. I told them, they're like, well, why are the marshmallows? It slows output. They're like, really? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Do you feel that you also have to fast, not eat very much before you go to one of these appointments or maybe not even drink very much? Yeah. Um, all I will drink um, in the morning is tea and water before my appointments. Um, for me, with my output, I can, like, if my bag leaks in the middle of the night, usually I'm okay because I have, like, oddly enough, enough in my stomach and the marshmallows hit quick enough that it does stop it. But if it's in the morning, I can't eat because if I do, then by noon, it's like I won't be able to stop it for a while. So, um, yeah, I always end up fasting, not eating it much and drinking much with and with the flare. It wasn't the biggest deal, but I did notice this past week. I was like sitting there at one o'clock. I'm hungry. Like, can we get the show on the road? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That just it just sounds so anxiety inducing, you yeah. know, especially with you're a, you're with a dermatologist. You're not with a colorectal surgeon. Mm -hmm. Who, you know, I mean, they've seen everything. Yeah. So it's <laughs> yeah. I think you said that you're changing your bag a couple times a day. Is that still how you're having to treat this? I'm now only changing it once a day. And I'm still doing that to try to get it. We're trying to treat it a little quicker. Mm -hmm. Talking to the dermatologist and my walk nurse and surgeons and stuff like that. A lot of people are kind of back out of that. The dermatologists ask you to do that. But like the two bag changes a day for me, I could only handle for about a month. It was very taxing on my body, especially post-surgery. It was exhausting. I was spending almost three hours a day and it was painful. I had to lay down on the ground and because I would become so lightheaded with the pain of it all. So um, now I'm doing it once a day and luckily it's not as painful at all. Um, actually, not nearly as bad. Like it's very sensitive when I'm cleaning it up. But other than that, it doesn't cause any more pain. So it makes it easier now to do it once a day. And at this point, I just want off the steroids and off of all the other meds. And even the ointments can do, or the one ointment that I was on was doing some, it's a steroid. So it was like thinning my skin. Yeah. And now the one I'm on, it's not harsh. It's not harmful. It's not hurting anything. But it does make it like my bag, the output seep through a little bit more. And I have a I've always had looser output. So I want to keep it as clean as possible. So I make, I change it once a day still. Yeah. I mean, that's, it takes up so much of your time, so mm -hmm. much of your day. I can see, even though you were diagnosed so young and you've been through just too many complications, like nobody should have to go through all of these things, but you're still so very hopeful. How do you keep that hope going? So I, I always kind of remember something my dad told me. And, you know, it's one of those cliche sayings this you always want your cup half full. And when I was first recently diagnosed, I was mad. I didn't understand. I wanted nothing to do with the ileostomy. I wanted nothing to do with the life that I was having to go through. And my dad looked at me and he told me that. And at the time, I didn't register it. But it's one of those things that kind of always comes back to me. And for me, when I'm happy and I'm positive and 
you know, I see the brighter side or I'm hopeful for what's to come in the future. I'm healthier. Not only is my Crohn's better, but like you're able to, I'm able to breathe. And for me, if I get to the negative side and start thinking that way, I get anxious and I get angry and that's not who I am as a person. I don't like to let myself get there. Don't get me wrong, I do. With the pyoderma, I was in tears, mad. But at the end of the day, like it was healing and there is hope. And there's so many things just even since I was like diagnosed, how far Crohn's research and ulcerative colitis research has come and family planning for women with IBD has gone come and and don't get me wrong like I'm worried for the future like you ever I think everyone has those thoughts like oh when is my next flare going to be or am I going to be able to get pregnant or am I going to be healthy enough to like care for the kids later down the road but at the same time like how exciting is it that there is that opportunity out there that there's that possibility we can or there's new meds coming out every single year. And also the awareness around it, being able to speak out about it has really helped me stay more positive because I can talk to people about it, which lets it off my chest. Being positive is kind of the only, it's how I walk my daily life. So I want to take that into my crowns and future surgeries and and how I look at it that way. Where can people follow you and learn more about your story, Jordan? Instagram, I'm I'm at jdiddy8. I love sharing my story on there. It's not all bad. It's, yeah, I have Crohn's disease. I've been through a lot. I've had too many surgeries, but I'm not my Crohn's. I'm Jordan. And that's who I am. I would never describe myself as someone who has Crohn's disease. And I think that's a big part of it. And I love being able to share that. So yeah, on Instagram, I'm jdiddy8. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much for thinking of me and giving me this the opportunity to share my story a little bit more. I asked Jordan to come on my show because her story is so compelling and she tells it well but also because I want to make sure that people with IBD have information about related skin conditions. We often talk about how IBD affects the whole person. I don't think that's communicated enough though, especially to newly diagnosed patients. And the thing about skin conditions like pyoderma is that unfortunately they can get serious pretty quickly. Even though PG is rare, and so most of us won't ever have to worry about it, we should still be aware and we should have anything unusual with our skin looked at right away. PG is associated with IBD, but it can also occur with other conditions, including rheumatoid arthritis and hepatitis. It might start at the site of a little injury, like a scrape or a cut, or even at a surgical site. PG begins looking like a blister or a red bump or a pustule. It looks like it might heal up by itself, but instead it becomes worse and forms an ulcer. PG ulcers have a recognizable look because the edges are indistinct and purplish. There could be one ulcer or there could be a group of them. 
PG usually occurs on the legs, but they can also appear on the arms or, as in Jordan's case, on the abdomen or even other places. As Jordan said, PG is painful. The ulcers are also slow to heal. We don't know what causes PG, but it might be immune-mediated because it tends to occur with other similar disorders. In some cases, PG occurs when the IBD flares up, but not always, which means that it can happen even when the IBD is doing well. There have even been cases where PG was the first sign of IBD. Smaller ulcers might be treated topically, such as with steroid cream or with wound care, but larger ones might need treatment with medications like oral steroids or immune suppressants. IBD doesn't only affect your guts, it can also affect your skin, and this is why it's important to keep up with doctor's appointments, including seeing a dermatologist. Anything that seems out of the ordinary with your skin needs to get checked out right away. And now I'm going to give you a piece of advice. Don't search for images of pyoderma gangrenosum, because what you will find are extreme cases that will scare the heart out of you. Instead, I'm going to put some links in the show notes to more information about this skin disorder, including one that I've written. And as a matter of fact, my article does contain a photo that's quite graphic. However, the image is hidden until you decide to click on it. But don't say, I didn't warn you. Hey, super listener. Special thanks to Jordan Diddy for trusting me and for putting her story in my hands. You can find Jordan on Instagram as jdiddy8. That is J-D-I-T-T-Y and the number 8. She shares more about her disease journey there, as well as photos of her dog Riker and her husband Adam. They're super cute. I will include a link in the show notes, along with more information on the topics we discuss, such as J-pouch surgery, fistulas, pouchitis, and proctectomy surgery, which a lot of patients refer to as Barbie butt or Ken butt surgery. You will also find this information on the episode 79 page on my site, aboutibd.com. And remember that you can also find me, Amber Tresca, on all social media as About IBD. Thanks for listening. And remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD. About IBD is a production of Malintel Enterprises. It is written, produced, and directed by me, Amber Tresca. Mix and sound design is by Matt Cooney. Theme music is from Cooney Studio.